Off the Beat with Brett Jensen is presented by Felix Savadas Mercedes-Benz of South Charlotte, Charlotte's premier Mercedes-Benz dealer and the Carolinas' number one volume sales leader. Over 300 new and 200 pre-owned vehicles always available. Visit mbcharlotte.com. Hey, it's Olivia Caridi. I am the villain from The Bachelor with one of the biggest mouths maybe ever. Check out my podcast, Mouthing Off, where you'll hear from all your favorite reality stars. Each week, I'm mouthing off with my reality friends from all your favorite shows. The Bachelor, Big Brother, Survivor, Jersey Shore, Real Housewives. You'll get all the -the behind-the-scenes info and major gossip. That's on Mouthing Off with Olivia Caridi. Subscribe on Radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. I am your host, Brett Jensen, and each week I like to tell crazy and fascinating things that take place behind the scenes while I'm chasing the stories to report on. Each week I also like to do interviews with interesting people with interesting stories to tell, and I promise you this week is a doozy as professional wrestling legend Ric Flair joins us to talk about what his life has been like over the last 15 months since he came out of his coma, and I promise you've never heard the Nature Boy be this candid. Also this week, I give a tutorial for all the single guys out there on what what to do and how to handle a first date with someone. I promise you that you'll learn something new because the dating scene is tricky and it can be very tough no matter if you're 25 or 65. So definitely be sure to listen to that. Also be sure to follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen so we can connect and I can get your feedback. If you have any questions or if there's someone you'd like me to interview, all you have to do is reach out. Again, my Twitter handle is Brett underscore Jensen, J-E-N-S-E-N. But up first, I want to talk about what you didn't see or necessarily hear about on election night. My job that night was to go from place to place. I was the proverbial roving reporter. I was going to be at the victory party for the Democrats, and then I was going to have to go to the victory party for the Republicans and bounce around between the two all night and a couple other places where people were holding individual victory parties, not as part of the party. So I go to the first place, and it's the Democrats. And they're at a bar, and the place is hopping, and it's jumping, and there's music playing. Smartly, there were only a very few seats, so that meant people had to stand, so it was an active, happening place. Now, granted, their food was pretty deplorable. All they were serving, basically, were chicken fingers and french fries. That's it, for a victory party. But, again, it was active, it was young, it was vibrant. It was pretty much exactly what your stereotypical Democrat might look like. It was a millennial. There were a lot of minorities. And even the older people looked a little hippie-ish. I mean, it was exactly what you might think that Democrats would look like. I know Democrats look like other people and look like other things. I get it. I get it. But when you say Republican, you have a stereotype in your brain. When you say Democrat, you have a stereotype in your brain. And these fed into these stereotypes. There were some hipsters there as well as other types of Democrats. After interviewing a few Democrats that were running for office, I had to drive across town about 15, 20 minutes and go to the Republican Victory Party. It could not have been more different. And it was also very stereotypical of what you thought Republicans look like. So I get there, and it's a banquet hall. And it's in an area that is not considered a Republican district. Far from it. But that's where they decided to have their party. So I'm there, and I walk in, and the first thing I notice is there's no music. None whatsoever. Just a bunch of TVs being played over a loudspeaker. Everyone sitting at tables, just staring at the screens and talking amongst themselves. It was pretty boring and it was relatively dead. 
Well, oddly enough, each place had about the same number of people. So it wasn't that people weren't showing up to the Republican Party. It was just that the atmosphere, because of what they were doing, was completely different. However, here's a very, very important key. The Republicans, they had high-end, quality, ridiculously great barbecue, baked beans, potato salad, fresh lemonade. It was awesome. It wasn't the chicken finger crap that you got from the Democrats. And as a reporter, I'll tell you, food is very, very important. Here's a little lesson for you. If you ever try to get media to show up to a function that you're holding, that you want to promote, and you want media there, offer free food that's decent. Don't give me sandwiches. You're not going to entice me to show up to something that I'm on the fence about. No, no. Don't give me chicken fingers. Give me some food. Like, they had seriously awesome, catered, real pulled pork barbecue. So if you ever want to get media quality food and will come in droves. So it was just a weird night. There were several Democrats that showed up to their victory party early in the evening when no one knew what the results were going to be, but yet there were only a couple that showed up at the Republican victory party. It was just a different experience. And then some of them bailed early and went to a congressional victory party for the Republicans. It was completely different. And you it like, seriously, like it was so different. One was a party And one almost felt like, okay, we're in a library eating barbecue, but we're not supposed to talk. But both people could not have been nicer. And the Republicans, yeah, they fed into your stereotype. There were no minorities. And most of the people there were well over 35, 40 years old. Exactly what you would think when you think, oh, Republicans. And like I said, the Democrats, there were the millennials. There were the hipsters. There were the minorities. And even the older people had a hippie dress look to them. So again, it was extremely stereotypical and I thought it was kind of funny, to be honest with you. All right, look, coming up next is my chat with the iconic Ric Flair, who's on the road to making a full recovery, and he just got married to his longtime girlfriend, Wendy Barlow, a couple of months ago. It's something you'll definitely want to listen to. Even if you don't like wrestling, I promise you it's extremely interesting. It's candid and it's heartfelt. Ric Flair, off the beat with Brett Jensen, next. So, Rick, everyone is aware of what your life was about before you got sick. There was that whole ESPN documentary, 30 for 30, that covered it in great deal. I mean, you've had books. But what has the last 15 months been like for you? Um, the last 15 months has been, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, a healing process, not only physically but mentally. And when you say that, how how has that been going? Has it has it been? Um, has it- uh, uh, here's here's when I do public speaking now, Brett. Here, here's how I open uh, my conversation line. I say I'm living proof that there is a God. And as much as it hurts me to admit this, behind every good man is a really good woman. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> but in my case it couldn't be more true so funny that anybody that sits with a man in ICU and well, 12 days of it is in a coma but ICU for 31 consecutive days legitimately gets what's called ICU psychosis is what you would call a good woman I, you know, and I know that woman, and you're 100% right. I mean, she's she's salt yeah. of the earth. So, but speaking of that coma, those early days, those early moments when you were in the hospital to go get checked on, 
like when did they did you know they were going to put you in a coma or or did no i don't i don't remember going in the hospital oh wow you know it's kind of like the airplane crash it, i must have been in so much pain that it traumatized me because i i remember the engine going off and i remember it's heading down but i don't remember the crash i remember i remember them putting me in the ambulance but I just like parts of me just want to forget, I guess, so your mind. And I, I, I'm told that I was in so much pain that they, you know, they had to induce me into a coma. Because I was, I just couldn't, they couldn't give me enough pain medication to, uh, to, to bring down the, the, the level of, uh, of pain, enough medication to bring down the level of pain. So I had no idea. And, and a lot of people don't realize, I tell people now that ask me, I didn't remember, I didn't have a memory for two months. Really? I mean, I could remember, I, I could remember a few things, uh, but I think up until maybe two months ago, I still ask Wendy about things that I, that I didn't remember where someone will make a comment and I say, is that, that would that happen? You know, a family member or something, and uh, yeah, for two months I didn't have a memory, and then, you know, as you know, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't walk, I couldn't twist off the top of a Gatorade top. I mean, I was really a Gatorade uh, bottle, couldn't open a Diet Coke. I was, you know, I, well, I had lost 43 pounds of body weight, so I was. Uh, you know, it was so bad for me, I guess, but I didn't even know I had a yellow stoma until I got home. No kidding. I don't remember having, I don't remember them treating me for that while I was in rehab, not ICU, you can imagine. Wow. So, yeah. When, and everyone is fascinated with people who've been in comas, and you were in there for almost two weeks. And I know this is probably a question that you've ever been asked a million times, but do you remember hearing anything when you were in a coma? Or I mean, I mean, no, I just dreamt. I dreamt things that I thought had happened, and those are the things that I keep. I'm not right now, but God, even a couple of weeks ago, I'll ask her something because I just dreamt, and uh, to my, um, I guess you know. 95% of what I dreamt were, were nice nice things. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, I, just, yeah. I dreamt about wrestling. My mom and dad came into play a lot. Um, you know, I only had a couple dreams that I that were, that bothered me, you know, concerning um, my childhood growing up and family with my mom and dad. Um but I like I dreamt my son opened up a foundation. <laughs> God, is that amazing? That is amazing. I, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and then I remember talking to doctors that never existed, and really the first thing that I actually remember in the hospital was saying to, and I can't remember which doctor. I think one of my heart doctors. You know, thank God I'm getting out of this, you know, this effing place. And because uh, I was just, once I was awake, I just couldn't take it anymore. And the guy said, well, let me remind you, 
this place, the, the word I used, saved your life. So don't, you know, think about what you're saying. So, you know, it's almost like I have to retract everything, everything I say <laughs> right. because if I if I don't if I don't say it correctly, which is something I focus on now, it can be interpreted as the wrong thing. I I just don't remember any of it, so guess I was I I can only imagine because uh, I know how I am in real life, but I I guess I was a little high maintenance. <laughs> when, when do I want to comment on that? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh... And I don't, I don't know why, Brett. They said I had a tough time with the DDTs oh. <laughs> or DTs, whatever. Yeah. The DDTs. <laughs> I don't know why that would be a case. I <laughs> know, uh, right? Exactly. It's funny that you bring that up because I wanted yeah, to well, ask you: was the was the hardest part this? You know, after you got out of the hospital. Was it the physical rehab, trying to gain back your weight and your strength, or was it kicking the alcohol out of your system? What was the hardest part? I never thought about having a drink. I didn't even think about it. I, I, and I don't, I don't think about it now. Is that you only have to go? I, I, I don't know whether it's because the doctor has told me that he can't do this again so many times, which is the greatest line. I can't perform two miracles, so. You know, you got two choices, um, and I don't think it's as much that I can't drink. It's that they think that I'll start in again. Um, God only knows I've had a few with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Does your audience, does your audience know that you are a performing alcoholic? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. hysterical. Um, What's the name of that place we used to go to? But which oh, one? Oh God, Good that's Lord. right. Oh, I, well, I've the always place, said. The place I moved next to. Uh, zinc. Oh yeah, zinc. Yeah. Well, I've always said. I've told yeah. anyone who would ever listen, the craziest birthday, the most surreal birthday I've ever had. I was spending it with you. You and I were at Del Frisco's, and Del Frisco's was closed, so no. we were there. We were there after <laughs> hours, and you had the general manager Rick Cheeseman bring out a birthday cake for me. After hours, and you yeah. you stood up and you sang me happy birthday, and I remember thinking to myself, yeah. "Oh my God, Ric Flair is singing me happy birthday." Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is that? I know there's more to the story than that. Don't tell it. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, good lord. Uh, but yeah, Rick Cheese, but he's down in Orlando now. Man. Yeah, absolutely. He's the best. No, he's great. What he's, a wonderful person. Oh yeah, he, yeah he's good people. You know, I read a quote. I was doing some research about this, and I read a quote from you. Uh, you, you told it in the Atlanta TV station about this. You said that uh, right after you got out of the hospital, that you said that you were preoccupied with death, and you think about it every day. Is that still the case, or was that just after you got out of the hospital? Uh, you know, I just told someone the other night at a banquet I spoke at. I still go through that maybe once or twice a week. Not for a whole day, but it crosses my mind for an hour. It's, I mean, it's not, it's hard to explain. You know, you're sitting there, and Wendy, obviously, once I was home, uh, you know, they, we hired full-time help, but it, they were, it just done nothing against them. It just wasn't working out. With I, different person, I, and I, you don't, it's not someone that lives in. It's one that comes in two or three times a day and it just didn't work out and Wendy uh, went and you know and met with one of the best nurses that does that 
at the hospital, and Wendy took it over, and Wendy became my full-time nurse, you know, as well as taking care of four kids. So it was a lot for her, it, you know, and uh, trust me, I think you know, people that have a illostoma or any type of situation like that, I want to make it very clear that I would rather have had that than the other, but it is a lot to deal with, not only for yourself, but for the person that is, you know, take the maintenance on it is, on that kind of deal is rough. Well, I, I'm glad you brought up Wendy because you got married two months ago, and I know you guys have been together yep. for a long time and, and all that. And uh, how... How has she changed you as a person, even before you went to the hospital and got sick? But how has she changed you as a person? Well, um, gosh, I, you know, I, this is where I worry that people are going to think that I'm trying to sell something. Wendy has brought, um, you know, now that I've had to slow down, um, I, I, she's, she's very wise. She's very religious. She's not a Bible thumper. She's not running up down the road preaching or judging. But she has brought a lot of religion uh, slash uh, wisdom and, um, you know, quotes that are either religious or very meaningful. And she'll talk to me about stuff now that I've actually slowed down enough long enough to listen to people, um, that uh, I actually put thought into it. When I'm by myself, I think about what she would have said or done in this situation. So I, being the bad, bad person that I have been my whole life, and by that I mean bad, not maliciously bad, not robbing banks or doing anything, but I, you know, I lived, you know, I would ask for forgiveness, Brent, and I would, you know, get on my, I was brought up with a Christian family, I said my prayers and everything, but I would ask for forgiveness as an example. Two hours later, I'd do the same thing again. You know, because someone would say, well, God forgives, you know. <laughs> that, yeah, thing. Right, right. that was my rationale, you know, or my rationale was that if, if I played golf, I'd be drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning on the golf course instead of sitting in a bar watching my favorite sports shows arguing with somebody about Stephen A. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, anyway, getting back to Wendy, she just made me think, you know, be patient, not judge. You know, I, I've been raised and I have been living in such an insensitive life style, you know, wrestling is very, can make you very insensitive and people have got to be careful not to let that insensitivity, you know, come into their personal life where it, it can be, it can be hard because you, you want to compare everybody else to what you've done or where you've been and how much you've traveled and how much you've hurt during the day and still went to work and, you know, so... <laughs> Wrestling can make you a little different. Oh, I'm like sure. From the time frame that I started, yeah. 
All right, so I'll let you get out of here on this because I know you're a very busy person. Uh, all right, so. No, I'm, hey, I'm, just, I'm just driving down the road, oh. man. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> all right, awesome. Well, tell me, what does the future. I'm driving down the road to make, to make some money with my agent. Well, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, hey, now that, now that I'm healthy, she books me on the weekdays, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 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 what does the future hold for Ric Flair? Like, what's your schedule now? Like, how busy are you right now? Thank God, as busy as I want to be. Does that make sense? I could work Absolutely. every weekend. Yeah, so, but um. Well, what what, what type of things know, are you funny. doing? Are you going to shows? Are you doing speaking engagements? Like, what type of stuff are you I doing? I do comic cons, speaking engagements, endorsement, musical videos, as you've seen. Um, oh yeah, that's outstanding, by the way. There's, there's, uh, I think we're looking at an opportunity uh, to maybe do a reality show, which. Um, will be, <laughs> can only imagine how entertaining that would be. <laughs> right. <laughs> Me and Wendy and her four kids, my second family. <laughs> so, and then I, I, uh, I'm having a wonderful time, um, and I go as often as I can following, uh, my daughter's career. It's just been, she's in a special place. So, by the way, did you ever, did you ever try to convince her not to get into wrestling, or or did you just let her make up her own mind? How did that happen? Well, she tells the story better than anybody. She, she I brought she and Reed to Miami for my second induction with the Four Horsemen into the WWE Hall of Fame, and uh, she was just running around having a good time and saying hi to everybody because she'd been to enough shows to know all the people and friends of mine came in from around the country for it and uh john laurinitis johnny ace was the head of talent relations at that time we were sitting there talking john and i've been very close i helped break him into business you know years ago and uh john um looked at her and said why aren't you wrestling and i i looked up at her and i could just tell that i it just hit her by you know shock you know because she's such an amazing athlete, I guess it never, I never approached her about it. I just, she was personal training and making a very nice living doing that. Um, and I mean, I know her so well, she walked away and about a half hour later, she came back and said, Dad, you think I could be a wrestler? And I said, well, you know, I, I have no doubt that you couldn't be a wrestler, but do you really want to do this? I mean, it's, it's it's a tough way to make a living, um, but here we are, almost six years later, and look at her, <laughs> seven times world champion. She's gonna blow by me. I was gonna say she's halfway <laughs> to you. Yeah, and she's the best athlete, uh, but I think that's a, a concession that most people will make, probably man or woman in the company. So, yeah, all the gymnastics and all the competitive cheerleading and all that stuff all paid off because she incorporates it all in her uh, in-ring uh, ability. There's just so many people all over this country, millions upon millions of people that are happy that you're up and running and you're doing well again and you've got your strength back and, yeah. and you're getting back to being Thank the old Ric Flair. I mean, that's, 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 and I just know everyone's yeah. so happy about it. Yeah, well, everything minus the drinking. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs>
those, you know, those are just, those are just good memories for the most part. Some bad ones, but uh, I am sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are people everywhere that think I'm back drinking again, but I'm not. So I had three glasses of champagne at my wedding and three glasses at my daughter's, and that's it. It, it doesn't even taste that good to me anymore. So um, it's not that I can't, probably, but I just I don't have any desire to. And I, I actually, it's I am in such a better place. You. <laughs> I think back to how screwed up I used to get and how inappropriate I could be, not not intentionally, but just, you know, quick-witted in a conversation. You know, I didn't. And I, I don't miss that person at all. I don't miss saying, God, I hope I didn't say the wrong. No, no more Del Frisco's and Brett Jensen, that's for damn sure. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> that's outstanding. All no right. offense to Del Frisco. We love you, Del Frisco's all over the world. I got Wendy loving Del Frisco's. <laughs> hey, Rick, again, thanks so much for joining me, my man. Um, I, I know this Thank has you. been. I know that you know this is you don't do a lot of these, and um, I really do appreciate it. And and I know the, the listeners all over the country will appreciate this as well. Hey, Brent. Yeah, Brent. You know Wendy's expecting, right? Shut up. No, seriously. No, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> you, you, can, you can hear that. <laughs> Let's really get the circulation going. Uh, you had me. I'm like, I was like, what? What? Oh, yeah, I know. Funny. We can we, hey, we, I thought. Be true. Be true. Not a chance. <laughs> Nature boy, baby. Hey, Nature boy doesn't need any more kids around. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's that's outstanding. Take care, my friend. Hey, thanks, guys. Bye, Brad. All right, coming up next, a tutorial for all you single guys out there on what to do and how to handle a first date with someone. Again, this is going to be extremely educational, and it doesn't matter if you're 21, 31, 61. It applies to all the above. Get your pen and paper ready as I tell you all the things you need to do to have a very successful first date. You're listening to Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. Welcome back to Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. All right, so I've been in the dating scene since I was about 16 years old. I've never been married, but yeah, I've had some serious and long-term relationships that lasted four or five years. I've lived with women. I was even engaged once. So I've had a plethora of experience as I've dated all types of women from all different types of backgrounds, and they've all had different types of personalities. People who are married know how to deal with their one and sole partner not the wide-ranging types of people that exist. They don't know what it's like to deal with someone who's either very quiet and shy or how to deal with someone who is outgoing and vivacious and loud. All personalities are different. All women are different. And I promise you, I've probably gone out with three or four of every type of woman there is out there. So this is where I come in for the rescue for all the people out there trying to deal with relationships and dating and marriage. There's about a 99% chance that I've dated the type of person that you're currently with. Whether you're married or seriously dating or casually dating, I promise you, I've gone out with that type of person. And I've had all kinds of crazy experiences with them. So this is where I come in for the rescue. So this week, I'm going to help the single guy out there that's about to go on his first real date that involves dinner. Again, the age is irrelevant. This is a fail-proof technique for first dates regardless of your age. So with that said, here we go. You meet a girl. 
and you either met for coffee or you're going to meet for dinner for the first time. Always, always without question, whenever humanly possible, take your first date to a Mexican restaurant. Mexican restaurant? Why only a Mexican restaurant? Here's why. Mexican restaurants are, for lack of a better term, exotic. They're not your burgers. They're not your pizzas. They're not your chicken fingers. And just about everyone likes Mexican. Also, it's cheap. It's inexpensive. If you don't like her or, God forbid, she doesn't like you, you're not out hardly anything at all. Like what, 30, 40 bucks? As opposed to going to someplace where that's nice and the drinks are $10 each and the food is $20 per plate and you're out next thing you know, 75, 80 bucks. No, 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 no. no screw that. Here's what you want to do. Go to the Mexican restaurant. It's exotic and it's cheap. Now, what if the date is going well and you really like her and she's into you? Why a Mexican restaurant? Find me a female that doesn't like margaritas. Find me one. Out of 100 women, 99 of them love margaritas. And we all know that alcohol will loosen things up and help the conversations flow, especially when you're with strangers. Like, seriously, we all know that. But don't get just one margarita. Order a pitcher of margaritas. Don't even ask her. Just do it. You look at her and say, hey, you want a margarita? She goes, yeah. And you go, okay, great. We'll take a picture of margaritas. Also, don't do cheap margaritas. Like, do middle-of-the-road margaritas. No, but if you're going to do Jose Cuervo, do Jose Cuervo 1800 at least. At least it's real tequila. So you're not looking cheap to her, but you're not blowing it all out either. And then when the margaritas come, you know, make sure you, know, you pour it for her because it can spill a little bit. Pour it for yourself if the waiter doesn't do it already. But the margaritas will loosen her up. It will loosen you up. If things are going really well conversation-wise and you keep going into the night. Now, I'm not saying order another pitcher. I'm not saying that. But if things are going really well, that's exactly what you want. So now, even if she plans on going back home or meeting some friends, so you walk her out to the parking lot and make sure that she's okay, you know, two margaritas. Some girls have high tolerance. Some girls don't. And politely offer to take her wherever she needs to go or to even call her an Uber. And most likely, she's going to say, oh, I'm okay to drive or I'm going to get an Uber. Make sure you pay for the Uber. However, the alcohol will loosen them up and puts them in a good mood. That means the odds of you getting a first kiss are through the roof. And you never know where that first kiss might lead to. Maybe wherever she was headed to, she's going to ask you to join her. Hey, if you're not doing anything, do you want to go to this party with me? Hey, if you're not doing anything, I'm supposed to meet some of my friends at a bar. Do you want to join along? But that probably won't happen until after that first kiss. And we know the alcohol in you and in her makes you more social. That's why you choose a Mexican restaurant. It's exotic. It's cheap in case you don't like her. It offers margaritas, and all women love margaritas, and it will help the conversation flow and let you guys connect better. And you never know what happens when you're standing in the parking lot and you're kissing on your first date. So that's my advice to all guys. Always, always, always do Mexican restaurants. All right, everybody, I hope you were able to learn something, and I hope you thoroughly enjoyed this week's podcast. We look forward to doing it all over again next week, as I promise you we'll have another special guest. Again, thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it, and I look forward to your feedback at my Twitter account at Brett underscore Jensen, J-E-N-S-E-N. And until next week, this is Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. Kelly Dillon and fashion is my life. Join me on Kicking Back with Kelly as we meet with the hottest celebrities, reality TV stars, and fashion influencers. Wow. Did you see that Dying, coat? Dying over it. Kicking Back with Kelly. Oh, Dying so life. Kelly. Fame, fashion, fortune. Kicking Back with Kelly isn't just another podcast, it's a lifestyle. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Download and subscribe on radio.com and the new radio.com app. Kicking Back with Kelly. Kelly. 
Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Missick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull. Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.